Let us remain standing and just bow our heads a moment for a word of prayer. First things first, of course, is to meet God. Yes. I wonder tonight if there's any special request among us that you would like for God to answer tonight. If you just let it be known by your hand lifted to Him. Just remember in your heart what you want and ask the Father now as we pray. Yes, our Heavenly Father, we have assembled in the name of Thy dear Son, the Lord Jesus. We realize the sacredness of this hour. After it is passed, it will be history, and we'll give an account of the, at the day of the judgment for being here tonight and for what we do. Therefore, Father, we are coming to Thee with bowed heads and bowed hearts, and asking for mercy. Yes, amen, amen. The, the great Holy Spirit would come upon us and lead us to what we should say and what we should do. We pray, Father, for everyone that lifted the hand. Thou knowest what was beneath that hand, the request, and we bring our requests now before your great ivory throne, where the sacrifice lays the Lord Jesus with this assurance that he told us if we would ask the Father anything in his name, it would be granted. Father, we pray that each and every one that held their hand will receive their request this night. Bless those who are sick and afflicted, Lord. May the Holy Spirit come tonight, manifest Himself so real that the people will not fail to see it. We pray for those who are not saved, that doesn't know the forgiveness of sins and still out there wandering in darkness, without hope, without God, lost. May the light of the gospel, the glorious gospel of the Son of God, shine upon them tonight, and may their hearts be so hungry that they'll accept him as their Savior. Grant it, Father. We ask these blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus, thy Son and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. I always deem it a privilege to be in the, on the platform to speak to people. I was so happy today to hear the results of the meeting last evening, and as I listened to the tapes from last evening, how the Holy Spirit among us, what he did for us last evening. The only trouble that I find with the meeting is that we don't have long enough to stay. Just tomorrow night is the closing of the series, and there's only about two of the minister brothers that I have even had the privilege of being introduced to yet, the sponsors of the meeting. And many of you fine people I have never met in my life would sure like to have the opportunity to go home with you Sunday for dinner. I know you got the best cook in the country, and so we, I'd sure like to do that. But we're leaving right away now to the, go on into the work of the Lord. Perhaps our next day to leave in Arkansas will be up into Alaska and then feel that the Lord might be calling us for overseas right away. 
again back into Africa. So it's been such a privilege and the first time of being here among you and seeing that great responsive faith that you have, and yet the ministry new to you. I know that a, a little lengthier meeting would do great things. The first, you know, you go for a few nights and you kind of draw your opinion of the advances. And then after a while, then all the, what we call the spooks get away, we get all the scare away and see that it's gospel and the word of God and Jesus Christ, the son of God. And especially when we have a meeting like this where all peoples of all faiths uh, are invited. You have uh, mixed groups, but yet we serve the one true and living God. And so I'm so glad for that. Now, I usually try to promise to let you out early, and I've failed each night, but these are little short times. Sometimes at home I'm in the platform for six, eight, or ten hours. So I know you couldn't stand that. You got a lot of grace to stay this hour, hour and a half. May the Lord bless you now and, and pray for me tonight as I try to speak from a little texture and some scriptures I've written down on a tablet of paper that I'd like to refer to for a few moments, and then we'll see what the Lord will have us to do. You know, truly, we do not know just what he will do, because sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We just have to watch and Remember, whatever he says for us to do, then we do it. So don't forget tomorrow night, last night of the meeting, and then the full gospel businessman's breakfast is Saturday morning, right, I believe, in this same room. Is that right here? In the same room. Um, and I believe you can get the tickets at the desk or at the desk. And we'd certainly be glad to have you. The Lord willing, I want to speak that morning, immediately after breakfast, if you can come in and have breakfast with us, we'd be glad for you to do it. If you can't, well, then drop in for the message right after breakfast, and we will um, be glad for you to be here. And I want to kind of take an evangelistic type of message for that. This, I've tried to confine it to prayer for the sick and healing, and we kindly, in a little way, not with any doctrinal points, but just to show that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he has not changed. And to me, that the Bible is either the Word of God or it is not the Word of God. I, I, I believe that anything is either right or it's wrong. You, you can't be halfway between. There's no pretty good Christians. You've heard that remark, but there's no such a thing. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. And the only way you can be a Christian is being born again of the Spirit of God. That's the only remedy under the blood of the Lord Jesus. And when you confess your sins to God and you do have pardon from God, then you are not a sinner. He that's born of God does not commit sin. If he does it, it's unwillfully. The worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin. For instance, in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats just covered sin. It didn't take it away. But the blood of Jesus takes it away. It divorces it. There's no more to it. For instance, my mother, she has just gone to heaven a few months ago. I was standing by her when she 
went and she got so she couldn't talk. I said, Mother, if you can still hear me, if Jesus is still just as sweet to you while you're dying as he was when you were living and in the meetings, if you can't speak, just bat your eyes real fast. I know you're saying yes. And she'd bat her eyes and tears just rolling down her face. But she went to meet the Lord. And I baptized my own mother about 30 years ago. I was just a little boy preaching. Now, now, when she would try to take a spot out of my shirt when I was a little boy, many years ago, she used to try to get coal oil or, or something and take the spot out, and really, she never took the spot out. She just made it a little bigger. It didn't show so much in one place. But um, that's how, uh, uh, that's all they had to work with. Now, let's uh, compare that with the blood of goats and sheep for sin. It was just, it was a propitiation, certainly, but it didn't sufficiently do the job because it was an animal's blood. And when that blood cells broke of the innocent one, see, the lamb's life could not come back on a human because it had no soul. It's merely an animal. But when Jesus came and that blood cell was broke, the life of God himself comes upon us and we are sons and daughters of God with his nature. Notice. Now, nowadays, if I get a spot on my shirt, my lovely wife, she just goes and gets some of this here, I think she calls it Clorox, bleach. Puts it in there and it's all gone. Let's think of just a, a little drop of ink, one little drop of black ink. Now, that ink was manufactured for some reason, and it's a color. And there's only really one color. All the rest of them's off of it, and that color's white. But now, this color, I do not know the chemicals of this, but let's say this, that it had to have begin from a creation, because that's what it is. It had to be made by a creator. A creator has to create a creation. And this little drop of ink now, it's come down, say, for instance, uh, it's for a purpose. Now, that little drop of ink can write John 3.16 and pardon my sins. Or that little drop of ink can sign my death warrant to send me to the, to the gallows. It's for a purpose. But perhaps if that little drop of ink now, with all this coloring in it, drops into a tub of bleach, what happened to the color? I just think, what happened to it? You'll never find it again. The water that was in the ink, the, the form of H2O, is still it's in the bleach. Its water turns to its water. But let's say if the color started out in the beginning, it goes back maybe into like a mist or a gas. And that gas, now this is not the formula that happened to be somebody here who understands this. I'm just saying it for, so that you'll know what I'm talking about. Say there was a, uh, it went back to atoms or molecules and molecules turned back to atoms and say molecule four, six, nine plus six, nine, seven made black. If it had been six, nine, six, it would have come out pink and so forth and on back to atoms. Something had to determine it in the beginning what it was going to be. Well, when it once drops in this bleach here, it goes all the way back to every molecule, every atom, back to its creator. Well, that's like our black sins. 
once confessed in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's forgotten. There's no more sin at all. You are free from sin, and there's no sin about it. It's not because you you deserve it, but because of grace of God. That you are, when a man sinned, he crossed a great chasm between he and God and left his no way back. But God was full of mercy. He, he took a substitute, and a lamb was that substitute until the fullness of time come when he, God made flesh to take away sin. And now there's not even a chasm there between a man and God becomes father and son. There's no sin at all. He puts him in the sea of the bleach of forgetfulness and cannot even remember him no more. Now, we can't do that. We're human. We can forgive but cannot forget. But God is infinite, and he's so great that he can absolutely forgot you even did it. Think of it. He never had even seen And there puts a man again in the presence of God as his father. And you're his child. We are sons and daughters of God now. Not will be. Now we are the sons and daughters of God. Oh, my, that makes Methodists feel like shouting, doesn't it? Now, we are very happy to know that we have this great, uh, great uh, bleach that Jesus Christ brought to us, his own blood. We're going to speak a little about him now, giving you a chance to get kind of quietened. And now, let's turn in the scriptures, if you will, to St. John. Um, the 14th chapter of St. John, and I want to read just a couple of verses, the 7th and 8th verse. Jesus speaking, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will su- suffice us. I'm going to take the subject of show us the Father. Uh, I want to speak of it, and the human heart has always longed to see God. As we were speaking the other night, all those Greeks that came up to the worship, and they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus, they had heard of him, and they could not rest until they had seen him. And I think that's truly the way that any real true believer that ever hears of God, there's something within him that pulsates to him that if he could only see him, and yet we can see him. Jesus said here, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, so we know that you can see him. Now... Uh, as long as we could think of human beings, they've always longed to see God, even Job. I think that's the oldest book in the Bible is supposed to be, and was r- really written before Moses wrote Genesis. It's Job, that great patriarch, and knowing God, and when he got to the spot that he got in his trouble, usually man will seek after God when he's in trouble. I've heard man say, oh, I don't even believe there is a God, but let him fall and hurt himself, or the doctors say he's fixed to die. Then you hear him say, oh, God, like Bob Anger saw. You, you'll think of God before you think of your mother or anyone else, because there's just something in you, you're a human being. Now, we find that Job, 
got in such a distress when he was broke out with boils and troubles, and he sat on the ash heap and scraped his boils. I remember taking the book of Job at the tabernacle some years ago, and I was uh, almost a year uh, with the book of Job, and one sister had enough grace that she didn't ask me right out to the platform, but she wrote me a letter. She said, Brother Branham, when you ever go get Job off that ashes? <laughs> I had him sitting out there, but I was trying to build up around to make a point, somewhere the, the killing point, that it would show the people where we could have the order call, and then hundreds responded. Now, sitting in misery, and he was longing to see God, he said, if I only knew where he lived at, if I could go and knock on his door. I would, I would know him. I'd like to sit down and talk with him. See, the human heart calling out for God. And surely, if there is a human a desire in a human's heart, who is a creature of God, calling out for God, there's got to be a God somewhere to respond to that call. That's right. Well, when the deep calls to the deep, there's got to be a response to that call. Before a deep can be in here calling, there has to be a deep out there to respond to that call, or there'd be no call in here. As I've often said before, there was a fin on a fish's back. There had to be a water first for him to use that fin, or it wouldn't have any fin. Before there was a tree to grow in the earth, there had to be an earth first, or there wouldn't have been any tree. And as long as there is a creation, there is a creator to create that creation. See what I mean? And when there's a hunger and thirst in a human's heart for something, there's got to be something to respond to that or the thirst wouldn't be there. So tonight we are here saying, show us the Father, and it suffices us. And now, if there is a God, which we know there is, and a call in our heart to see him, then why can't we see him? If there's a call here that tells us we want to see him, there's got to be some reason, we, some way to see him. And now, I, by God's help, I'm going to try to, to show you or speak on three different ways, or I'll say four different ways, of seeing God. I'm going to speak on God in his universe, God in his word, God in his son, God in his people. And first now, we'll speak on God in his universe. I do not believe that anyone that could understand how this universe moves, how the great solar system, and be in his right mind could say there is no God. Did you know this earth is turning over a thousand miles an hour? It's 25,000 miles around it. It turns, makes its complete revolution every 24 hours. So that makes it going over a thousand miles an hour this way, and as it turns around the orbit of the sun, I don't know how many thousand miles an hour. And so perfectly in time, it doesn't miss it a second. There's no watch, no machine that can be uh, placed in such perfection to keep it from wearing out, or no watch. I've got a watch that was given me in Switzerland. If they said in American money, it would be $300. If I bought it, one of their best watches. Yet, that watch will lose every a minute, ever so often, or gain, or, or something. It, it, isn't, it cannot be perfect. And yet, in space, this world whirls itself around. Who whirls it around and keeps it in that perfect time? 
It would certainly be slowing up a little if there wasn't something keeping it moving. And how do they keep it moving so perfect? And how does it go around the, the, the sun the way it does so perfect and make winter, summer, and so forth just as perfect as it is? Then there's no one. Six thousand years it hasn't lost a second. Always on time. It's so perfect that they can time the eclipse of the sun and the moon. So, and 20 years away, they can tell you the very hour it will cross. Uh, studying, the astronomy, studying the solar system. How great. My, I think if a person would look up towards the skies, you could cry like that Swedish author, the song, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art. You see those little stars and maybe they don't look like they're four inches apart in the skies and yet they're farther from each other than we are from man. And yet, God controls it all. And out at Mount Wilson, California, by an astronomer who was at my meeting in Chattanooga gave me uh, permission with this other astronomer to go up there and take a look at this great scope. They had the pictures because it went in daytime and you can see 120 million years of light space. Break that down in miles and you'll run a row of nines around Tucson a few times. Trying to break it down in miles. You can't fathom it in your mind. 120 million years of light space and beyond that is moon, stars, and worlds. And our Father created it to His own pleasure and everything working just perfectly. Oh, how wonderful. You see how great He is and how simple He can make Himself so that you won't, for, you won't uh, miss the way. Isaiah 35 said, Though a fool should not err a darian. It doesn't take smartness, education. If it did, I would be one lost. It just takes faith to believe it. Not try to understand it, but believe it. Just God made it and that settles it. Now, we find that people try to argue that it's not so infidel. Here some time ago in Colorado, oh, I guess it had been 30, 40 years ago, there was a, an infidel had passed through the country trying to make converts to infidelity. And he even told his own mother when she was dying, he said, what can you offer me now? He said, Ma, grin and bear it. And what a thing to say to your own mother. He got a breakdown, so he went to the west to, to get a little rest, and he took a pack and went back into the mountains. And one day, he was walking out, and ministers was afraid to attack him, they said, because he was, oh, he was shrewd, highly educated, polished scholar. And they just left him alone, let him beat his own brains out. So then, one day, he said he took a walk and went out, and he began to look at the rocks. He began to wonder, really, where did they come from? And the first thing you know, the winds begin to blow down through the pines. Adam, where art thou? You see, the Bible said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. This infidel fell on his knees to become a sweet, loving Christian because God in his universe called out that I'm the creator who made the heavens and earth. Some time ago, a friend of mine, Mr. Wood, lives in Jeffersonville, next neighbor to me. Mr. Borders, here, one of our manager, he's sitting here tonight, is well acquainted with him. He was uh, come to the Louisville meeting, and he was a Jehovah Witness and was forbidden to even attend the meetings, but he'd come with his wife. His wife belonged to the Anderson Church of God. And they seen a little girl there brought to the platform, and how the Holy Spirit told the little girl what her trouble was and how long she'd turned to, I forget the name of the disease, that turns them to chalk or stone. 
She hadn't moved for about three years and told her in the name of the Lord that she would be all right. And the next day, the girl run up and down steps and was at the building that night, just running all over the platform and everything. Mr. Wood, being kind of a, uh, broke down at this, he, he finally had a, he had a boy that was crippled with polio, his leg drawn up under him. I left from there down to Houston, Texas, where the picture that you have of the angel of the Lord was made in that discussion down there with this Baptist minister who taken the uh, opposite side that Christ wasn't the healer now. And then the Lord came before 30,000 people that night and put it, it had his picture, the light that gives the discernment that showed that it was true. And George J. Lacey, the head of the FBI of fingerprint and documents, from California came to the Shell building in there and examined the picture and said, Mr. Branham, I've been your critic. Now, I said it was psychology, but said the mechanical eye of this camera won't take psychology. The light struck the lens. And so you have the picture now. And one of them is in Washington, D.C., in the Religious Hall of Art, with a note under it, the only supernatural being was ever photographed in the history of the world. And now, then, if you're ever through there, stop and see it. Now, notice then Mr. Wood brought his boy to a place in this, where was that, in another place, and the Holy Spirit called out and said, there's a boy back in the building by the name of David Wood. His father is a contractor, Jehovah Witness. Never seen them in my life. They lived in another country, down in Kentucky. And so he said, thus saith the Lord, the boy is healed. And immediately that crippled boy rose up to his feet just as normal as anybody else. He's my neighbor now. I married him about three years ago to a fine Christian girl, and they have two fine children. Many people here know it. Mr. Wood and I, on coming home, we go down into the mountains of Kentucky in a little country where I'd been at the Methodist campgrounds down there at a place called Acton, A-C-T-O-N, just, just one grocery store filling station in a campground. And it's called Acton, Kentucky. The, the little place has post office its own as in this store. And I had a meeting there, and it looked to me like a good squirrel hunting country, so I wanted to go back down. About two years from there, we returned again to go back and go squirrel hunting. And, and uh, of course, the Arizona people here, I suppose, how many knows what Kentucky gray squirrels are? Have ever seen gray squirrels? Oh, well, what part of Kentucky are you from? So then um, I feel really at home. So there's nothing better to eat in the world. If they have, I've never found it. So we went down on a two-week vacation to hunt. And it was really dry, and those little fellows, oh my, can they scat. And we were shooting 20, with 22 rifles, and it got so dry we couldn't hunt. And Mr. Wood said, Brother Branham, I, I know where there was a, a man that's got about five or 600 acres, and it's got hills and there's hollers down there where the, the water comes down through the creeks. said, it'd be wet, we could walk in those creek bottoms, wouldn't scare him. But said, he's an infidel. I said, well, let's go try him. So we went across the uh, country and through the woods and over the hills, little uh, hog paths like, until we come up to a, a house and two old men with slouched down hats sitting under a tree. And he said, that's him on the other side. I said, he's a hard boy. And so we stopped and I said, maybe you better go if you know him. I better sit in the car. He said, all right. So he got out and walked around. He said, how do you do? And he said, my name is Woods. He said, my name is Banks Woods. He said, um, I just wonder if it would be possible if we could hunt here a while. I said, 
uh, we've been hunting over here on another creek. He said, it's dry over there. We can't hunt. He said, are you Jim Wood's boy? Now, his father was a reader in the Jehovah Witness. He's one of the readers. He said, honest, very fine man. He said, I'm his son. He said, well, Jim Woods is one of the most honest people I ever met. said, you can just have your choice, hunt anywhere you want to. He said, thank you, sir. He said, I brought my pastor along. I guess it's all right for him to go. And he said, you don't mean you've got so low down, you have to carry a preacher with you where you go. And he said, um, I thought I'd better get out. So I got out of the car and walked around. I said, how do you do? And he said, uh, how do you do? And he said, um, you know... I guess I'm kind of a hard guy against you fellows. And I said, well, every man to his thought I wanted to hunt. And so he said, <laughs> I said, I guess you can, every fellow to his own thought. And he said, yes, he said, there is nothing I have against you, but just one thing. He said, you're barking up the wrong tree. I mean, he knows what that means. That's a lying dog. You see, barking the tree to coon's here when he's gone. He'll coon up there. See? He said, you're barking up the wrong tree. I said, well, that's to opinion. And my mammy always told me, she said, you just give the cow enough rope, she'll hang herself. So I thought I was going to give him plenty of rope. So I let, let him go ahead and talk. He said, well, he said, I've been on this country here, that old chimney up there is where the original home burned about 60 years ago. My father built this place. I've lived here and walked over these places now. I said, I'm 76 years old, and I've never seen no God, no angel, or nothing else. said, therefore, said I, there is none. I said, well, of course, that's still to opinion. I said, he said, well, I just think you fellows are just going around making an easy living. I thought, oh, boy, if you only knew. (laughs) 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 Easy. He said, I think you're always making an easy living. I said, yes, sir. I said, well, I said, still, that's just to opinion. And he said, "Uh, well, he said, that's what I believe about it. And he said, you're just barking at the wrong tree. And he said, um, uh, I said, was you ever in church? And he said, no. He said, I don't believe in going. He said, there was one fellow one time that came in here about two years ago from Indiana. had a place over here. They had a meeting at the Methodist campgrounds. So I forget the guy's name. And said, if I ever meet him, I want to talk to him. I said, yes. And Brother Wood started saying, cows at the end of the rope. So, you know, he's just in. I said, uh, standing there, whiskers on my face about that long, it's bloody all over and hadn't had a bath in two weeks. And so, you know, and I said, yes, sir. I said, what about it? He said, well, we got an old lady who lives up here on the ridge by the name of something and said she was dying with cancer. Said, uh, we had her out to Louisville to the cancer specialist and they tried to operate it was in the stomach and said she was so wound up to her stomach and intestinal tract they couldn't even wash her with a ninum and they just brought her home to die. And said, she'd gotten so low till they couldn't put her on the bedpan no more. Just had to use a draw sheet. Said, wife and I would go up twice a day and change your bed. And said, she was dying. And said, this preacher was over here at Acton. And said, he was there for two nights. And said, her sister lives down here in another creek about 30 miles below. She went up there that night and said, the man never was in this country before. And said, he was standing on the platform, looked out across about 1,500 people and said, uh, a lady there by the name of such and such, when you left home tonight, she put a little white handkerchief in your pocket. She got off of a marble top dresser, and it's got a little uh, blue working in the corner. You've got a sister named so-and-so that's dying with cancer. Go take that handkerchief and put it on the sister, for thus saith the Lord, she shall live. 
and said about 11 o'clock in the night, I thought they had the Salvation Army up there on top of the hill of all the noise. And said, I woke me up and said, I said to the wife, well, she died. And so tomorrow morning, I'll get my wagon to take her out. And the only way you could get where she lived, you'd have to bring her out to where you'd get her to the car with the wagon. Said, I'll just wait till in the morning and said, we'll go get her and bring her out. So the next morning, wife and I got up early, go up there, and what did we find when we went in? But she was eating fried apple pies at the table with her husband. And said, she's up there now, and she would only do her own work, but she does her neighbor's work. I thought, uh-oh, here it is. And I said, now, nah, you don't believe that. He said, well, if you don't believe it, you go up and see for yourself. Well, he's preaching to me now. <laughs> Oh, I said, in the day that when we got modern science and doctors and fine as we have, and you mean to tell me that something... Well, I said, if you don't believe it, you go up there and ask her. So there she is. I said, isn't that right, John? He said, that's right. The other old man was a believer. He said, that's right. She's right up there now. You can go ask her. Now, him preaching to me now, you see. So, well, that's all right. So I said, well, what did you say taking place? That how I want to ask that man, how did he know at that was that woman up here, you've never been in the country before. She was dying with cancer. How do you know she was dying of cancer? How did he know her name? And how did he know that was her sister? And how did he know that she's going to get well when a handkerchief was put on her? So I want to talk to him when I see him. I said, Well, I hope you do. So turned around, and the, it's about, about the middle of August, and it's real hot, and the leaves begin to fall off the trees, and he had a nice apple tree there. And, and apples all on the ground, and I said, you mind if I have one of them apples? He said, the yellow jackets are eating them. How many knows what a yellow jacket is? <laughs> so, so they're eating them. You might as well. So I got one and rubbed it on these old dirty pants, you know, took a bite, and I said, that's a fine apple. So, oh, yes, I planted that tree there 40 years ago. I said, mm-hmm. I, I said, I planted it out. I said, is there like that every year? Yes, we sure. We can several bushel apples off of it every year. We dry some on top of the shed, and I said, yes, sir. I said, that's very fine. I said, now, um, uh, strange thing, I said, you notice, we haven't even had a frost, we haven't had a cool spell or nothing, and yet all them leaves are dropping off that tree. I said, I wonder why that is. He said, well, uh, the life left the, the leaf. I said, the life left the leaf? He said, yes. I said, where'd the life go? He said, down the root of the tree. Oh. I said, what did it go down there for? And he said, well, to keep out of the winter. Said, you see, it gets about 20 below zero here. Said, if, if that life was up in the tree, the life would die. It's got to go down into the root. I said, oh, I see. And I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, uh, you know that tree don't have any intelligence because it's just a tree, a part of botany life. And I said, what kind of an intelligence tells it before the frost falls, get out of there right quick, run down the root and hide. If you don't, you're going to die. What intelligence does that? Well, he said, uh, that's just nature. I said, well, I'll tell you, you take a bucket of water and set it on the post out there, and it always let me see all that water run down to the bottom of the post and then come back up again in the spring. <laughs> I said, I hadn't thought of that. And I said, you think on it while I go squirrel hunting. And then when I come back, and if you'll tell me what intelligence tells that sap and that tree, that life, go down in the roots and hide till spring and come back again. When you find out what intelligence works that life up and down through that tree at the seasons, I'll tell you what intelligence told me that woman was going to be healed. He said, told you? I said, yes, sir. I said, 
He said, you're not that preacher. I said, I'm Brother Brand. He said, can you prove it? I said, sure. And I said, I guess it don't look like it. I said, no, I admire that. He said, you look human. And I said, uh, well, I said uh, well, I said, all right, sir. And he said, are you the minister? I said, yes, sir. The same God that can speak to a tree can speak to a man. Amen. And there I led the old fellow to Christ. A year later, I come back, and he went to meet the Lord. And the um, wife told me, said, Brother Branham, he died in victory, praising God. What was it? He seen God speaking in his universe. Of all the things that he had seen, and yet the very nature of a tree declared to him that there was a God. See? And he found it, and found Jesus Christ as his Savior. Oh, how you can see him in the sunrise, see him in the sunset. Everywhere you look, you can see God. As I said the other night, if he's in the inside of you, you can see him out there. Up in Colorado, usually they go up there hunting. And one fall, another fellow and I hunt up there, and we separate this hunting elk way high until the snow has come and run the elk down there, really up around Timberline because they're a wild creature. And so we had taken a pack horse apiece and a saddle horse and went up high, and, and Mr. Jeffries, the owner of the ranch, had went back over on one fork of the creek about 20 miles, and I'd come this other way. And in fall of the year, that way, you know, the sun will shine a while, and the rain a while, snow a while, and rain again, and then sun come out, you know how it is. And a storm came across the mountain. I was almost to Timberline, and I had my saddle horse tied up way down, 10, 12 miles below me. And I was hunting along pretty dry, and there come a storm. And I got behind a bush by a blowdown, and where the winds had blowed down some timber, some hemlock. And so I was standing behind these trees until the, the winds passed and storm turned cold. And I stood there about an hour and a half, I guess, and almost froze. And the wind blowing. And then after a while, it let up. And I kind of nodded and got a little sleepy. So I looked up, and when I did, I standing looking around, I seen the sun coming out as it was setting. And up high there where the rain had blown to had struck the evergreens and had froze ice on them. And the sun was uh, reflecting against that ice and it made a rainbow. Oh my, I could see God there. There's God right there in the rainbow of the covenant. I thought, there's God up here on top of the mountain. Then after a while I heard the big bull elk. He got lost in the storm bugling for the herd. I, I, I could hear God in that. An old wolf got the calling on the mountain, the mate answering it down in the bottom. There's God in that. I always believe he lives up there. There he was in the sunset. There he was in the rainbow. There he was in the elk call. There he is in the wolf call. He's in nature all around, everywhere. And to my amazement, just across from me, on a stump set a little pine squirrel. He's just like the Irishman's owl, all fuss and feathers and no owl, you know. Little bitty fella sitting all humped up, but he's the blue coat policeman of the woods. When he hollers, all game will run. And here he was sitting there chattering at me, just like he was going to tear me to pieces and he wasn't that big. But he just jumped up and down and I thought, don't get so excited, little fella. And what got him excited, I, I got a little excited myself. When I began to see all those things, God, I said, oh, what a wonderful place to be. I felt like Peter did up on Mount Transfiguration. Let's build three tabernacles and stay here. And I, I got so full of the glory of God 
in my soul. I, I set my gun against the tree. I, I was exploding, I guess. I, I run around and around the tree hollering, praise God, praise God. I had to give vent to something. It's the only pop-off valve I had, I guess. So I just, I don't know whether you ever felt that good or not, but you can do it because I've had the experience of it. I know it's right. When you can look out and see God all around you. You don't smell no cigarette smoke up there. And there's no beer and stuff up there. And no half-dressed women. They're, they're, they're down in the devil's dumps. But this is up there where God lives. And so then up there, running around and around saying, Thank you, Lord. I've seen that rainbow, and I thought he's to look upon in the first chapter of Revelation. John saw him as a rainbow, as Alpha and Omega. Oh, the beginning and the end with a covenant that he would destroy the world no more. And then we got a, in this, the New Testament is a covenant of his blood. And how I began to carry on, I wasn't just playing the hypocrite. I felt good, and I wanted to give vent to myself, and I was hollering, Praise God, and around and around the tree, I guess they thought they had a maniac in the woods if somebody would have come up. But I didn't care who was there. I was feeling good, and I wanted to rejoice in the Lord. And I think I excited that little squirrel. And he, I guess he never seen anything like that. Not only squirrels, but a lot of other people never seen anything like that, or even human beings. And here I was going around. I guess it was a funny-looking sight, but I was feeling all right. And then... I was sitting there all humped up and uh, uh, chattering at me, his little eye bugged out on his cheek almost. I said, don't get excited. I was just worshiping our Creator. Sit down. Do the same thing. you feel better. And a, <laughs> and a little guy said, I thought, don't you see? Look at your hair it is. Put your hands up and praise the Lord. I said, now I happened to notice he wasn't looking at me. He's holding his head down looking like that. And I thought, well, what's a little fellow looking at? And the storm had blowed and forced the big eagle down in this blowdown. And that's what he's excited about, that eagle crawling around that brush down there. So I thought, now, Lord, I see in the rainbow, I see in the sunset, I hear in the call of the animals. And now, how would I ever see in that eagle? Are you in that eagle? Now, why did you stop me from praising you? See, God does everything right. He knows what I'd tell this someday. And there it was, this big eagle jumped up on the, a limb, and he looked at me, and I thought, my, I admire him, he's not afraid. I admire anything that's not afraid. God can't use a coward. If you are too much of a coward to testify before your boss, before anybody else, and ashamed of Jesus Christ, he can't use you. If you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think... Like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. Some people can carry on in church, but when they get outside, they're deflated. Now, that kind of religion's no good. That's just to make a show. It's got to be lived. And then I noticed this big eagle, he wasn't afraid. And I thought, well, you know what? Aren't you afraid of me? And great big gray eyes looking at me. I thought, why aren't you afraid? I said, I could get my gun here and shoot you. I said, aren't you afraid of me? And he just, he wasn't noticing me as watching that squirrel. He looked back at me and he looked at the squirrel. I thought, I'm getting tired of that noise too, are you? And so he just kept watching back and forth. And after a while, I thought, what makes him so, so sure? I noticed he kept feeling his wings, you know, fluffing his feathers in his wings. Uh-huh. See, there it is. See, he had a God-given gift, them wings. 
And he knew before I could put my hand on that rifle, he could be in that timber. See? And he wasn't as scared as long as he could feel the, the strength that God had given him to go to safety. Oh, if a Christian could only do that. If an eagle could put that much confidence in a pair of wings to take him from trouble to safety, how much more are a man or a woman in the presence of Jesus Christ where he's making himself known be a spirit of anything? If you can know it, see it, see the Bible say it'll be this way, and here it is here, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, walking in our midst, doing the same thing he always did, and promised he would do it just before the end time. How would we be afraid? Nothing's going to harm you. How can it harm you? He overcome and conquered everything, death, hell, grave, sickness, everything else, sin. He is, I'm complete in him. Not myself, I have nothing, but I, in him I'm saved. I seen him kept doing this. Someone said to me one time, said, Brother Branham, aren't you afraid you'll get somebody on the platform sometime and make a mistake? Not as long as I can feel him around. It won't be no mistake. That's right. It'll always be. You know, he sat there until he got tired listening to that little old uh, chipmunk over there, chatter, chatter, chatter. So he just made one big jump. He flopped his wings about twice. And I noticed he never flopped his wings anymore. He just knowed how to set his wings. And when the wind come in, he just rode up on the wind. And the wind had come in again, he just rode up on the wind again. And he just rode wave after wave, and I stood and watched him until he had become just a little spot in the sky. He went on, 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 on. And I stood there, began to wipe the tears off my face. I said, that's it, God. I see why you sent that eagle here. See? It isn't jump and be a Methodist week, week, and jump over and be a Baptist next week, and flop, flop to one, and then flop, flop to the other. But it's knowing how to set your wings of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as it comes in like a, a roaring flood, right up on the tides of it. Get away from this little earthbound chatter, chatter, days of miracles this past. There is no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's no divine healing. Chatter, chatter here and chatter, chatter there. Just set your Wings in the power of the Holy Spirit and they carry above all this old chatter, chatter, and noise. Well, there is no such a thing. That eagle knew what he was doing. He could trust. See, God is in his universe. Don't you believe that? You see God in his universe, you can see him in the birds, you can see him in the flowers. You, oh, we could spend all night on it. But do you believe that God's in his universe? All right? Now we'll see if God's in his word. Now we look at God in his word. Not only is he in the Word, but he is the Word. Amen. That's right. The Bible said in St. John, the first chapter, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God and his Word is the same. The Word, Jesus said, is a seed that a sower sowed. And any germatized seed in the right kind of soil will produce its kind. And now I realize that this is being taped. And these tapes, you have a tape ministry all over the world. And many people, just here tonight, where about a thousand people are listening. Before this tape stops, there'll be ten times ten thousands here, see, around the world. And I'll go on record. Now I say this about the Word of God being a seed. If you can take the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God, He'll bring it to pass. If you can get yourself in position to believe that that promise was to you, but if you let some Ricky 
place it off on with more education, he knows gumption enough, know how to control it, can stick it off on some age gone by or some age it is to come, it'll be of non effect to you. Like Jesus said, you take your traditions and make the commandments of God of no effect. When you try to place God, some historical God or some pre-coming God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just as much God now as he ever was. And if you can take that attitude that that promise isn't to you, Jesus said in St. Mark eleven twenty-two, Verily I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you've said will come to pass. You can have what you've said. I say, when you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for, it'll be given to you. How much more promise could be made than that? You've got to believe it, because it is a seed. Now, if, I, if you ask me for an oak tree and I give you an acorn, potentially you'd have an oak tree. It's in seed form. And when you want God in your life, just accept him as your Savior. Potentially, you are a full statue son of God. You'll grow into the statue of God. Just like the acorn does. Grows into an oak tree. Now, you people here in Arizona, you raise oranges. First, it's a seed. The seed rots. The seed corn of wheat must fall into the ground, as Jesus said about himself. It's got to rot. And the only thing that you can do is to... The, the only way is to accept that germ of life, of God's Word, God's own life, and then rot to your own ideas. Let God do it. It's none of my business to try to figure it out. I can't figure it out. I just believe it. He never asked me to figure it out. He never did say, did you feel it? He never did say, did you understand it? He said, did you believe it? That's what it is. Don't try to go to some seminary and get some of this indocumented embalming fluid put into you of some social creed. The thing you want is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the uh, incarnate power of God dwelling in you that accepts this word and makes it live out as it really is. Around and around the world and before all kinds of people, I know that it's true. He's God. Now, that little orange tree, if it's on it, now when you plant it out, maybe uh, uh, when you get a little set, sprig about so big, now you plant it. Now that's all you have to do to it. You don't have to go and say, now, I've got to get me some oranges somewhere and go to dumping into it. The oranges is already in it. The only thing that little tree has to do, you have to keep plenty of water on it. And the only thing the tree has to do is drink. And it drinks and drinks till it drinks over its amount. And as it drinks, it pushes out limbs. And it drinks more and it pushes out leaves. Drinks more, it pushes out blossoms. Drinks more, it pushes out oranges. Just drink and push, drink and push. That's, and that's you. When we are planted together in Christ, the only thing we have to do is drink from His promise and push out. Everything that you have need of is in you when you receive Christ, because Christ is in you. And you just have to drink from His Word, His life, and push out. Oh, yes, I believe Him to be the water that comes upon us. He's the life. I believe he's the inexhaustible fountain of life that we just planted in him and push out. Abraham received God in his word. When he was an old man, 75 years old, Sarah was 65. She was about 20 years past menopause. He'd lived with her since she was about 18 years old, his half-sister, married to him. And God came to the old man one day and told him he was going to have a baby by Sarah. And that word, that word, God in his word, 
When God spoke that to Abraham, all reasonings of anything contrary to it left him. That's what you do when you see God in his word. You've got to receive it like that. See, your word never dies. I can speak here with a, with a ascending set, and my words will go around the world in one instant. To this building tonight is coming pictures of people. Turn on your television and find out if it isn't so. Words of people are coming through here. You don't see it. Your senses don't declare it, but it's there. And a word never dies. Here not long ago, I saw the vision of this young woman dying. If they said that committed suicide, it's been about a year ago, I forget, she was some kind of a, a, a girl that was a very popular woman. And I was up in the mountains and I saw her die. And they told me, said, he told me, said, Is she, you can say it's four o'clock. It's just a few seconds before four. And said, they'll say she committed suicide, but she died with a heart attack. What is that woman's name? She's just a young, blonde-headed woman. Marilyn Monroe, that was it. She, she died. And, and she did not commit suicide. I felt sorry for the girl. She always seemed to be kind of a woman weary. She needed something. Wish I could have got to the child. She needed Christ. She might have went to some cold formal church, but she needed a, a real case of salvation with something in her heart to give that assurance. She, her father, she never seen him. Her mother's in the insane institution. It's all in the girl's mind. She needed Christ. And then, in that, we know that the other night, my children was telling me that on the television, they was going to have a play called The River of No Return. That's where I caught the world record rainbow. Down there one time, the Christian businessman. And they wanted me to see if that was a river. Go to a place of television and see if, if that was a river. And if Don Smith, the guy taking this girl down, there she was on television, the same girl that I seen had been dead a year. But there, every move she made was right there acting out her voice alive. Now that's in a, like a fourth dimension. And that same thing will be to every one of us at the day of judgment. And then when Jesus Christ spoke these words, they never died. Science claims in 20 years from now they can pick up the literal voice. They'll be able to pick up the literal voice of Jesus. It's still in the earth. Because, see, it's a sending post you are. Then there has to be a receiving post. And if you can be the receptacle, see receiving post to receive the Word of God, then it's real to you. And it'll live just like it was then. Amen. Now, Abraham picked it up. God said you're going to have a baby by Sarah, your wife. Now, to the natural mind, that's foolish. Could you imagine an old man, 75 years old, his 65-year-old wife, coming down and saying, Now, doctor, we want to make arrangements for the hospital. <laughs> well, they said the old man's off in his head. See? But all people take God at his word to the world is considered a little bit off of their head. Because the things of this world is carnal to God. And um, the preaching of the gospel and the Christian is foolishness to them. It perish also. But Abraham believed it. I can see Sarah knitting a little booties, you know, and getting the pins ready, and she's ready. The first month passed, and see, uh, he said, honey, how are you feeling? There's no difference. Glory to God, will have it anyhow. Why? God said so. A year passed. How are you feeling, Sarah? No difference. We're going to have it anyhow. Hallelujah. How do you know you're going to have it? God said so. It's the Word. God's promise. Twenty-five years later, twenty-five years later, him, a hundred years old in her ninety, 
a little grandma with shoulder scarf on and a little dust cap on her stick, holding around like this and him all his beard hanging out. You feel any different, honey? Not a bit, dear. Glory to God, we're going to have it anyhow. God said so. There you are. And then we call ourselves Abraham's seed. No matter why it's going to be a great... He can praise God more 25 years later. It's going to be a greater miracle. But we'll see Jesus Christ manifest himself right before us. And if he doesn't, a spontaneous thing, I missed it, I didn't get it. Abraham's seed. God in his word. Heavens and earth will pass away, said Jesus, but my word shall never fail. God is in his universe. Do you believe that? God is in his word. When 120 little cowardly people who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years on earth had seen him raise the dead and perform miracles and signs and so forth, they were afraid of the threat of the Jews. They climbed up into the upper room on the outside of the building, the steps that went up the temple to a little upper room, a little prayer room of a thing on the outside where some little olive oil candles was burning or lamps with a wick in it. And they climbed up there and barred the doors because they was afraid of the Jews. And then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Doors flew open, windows flew open out into the streets, testifying under the power of the impact of the Holy Spirit. Wow! God's Word has been made manifest to them. God kept His Word. No coward in this sand. When the Word anchors, I'll stop here just a minute to say this. When a man or a woman, I don't care how much the doctor says you're dying with cancer, leprosy, or whatever it is, when you can receive that word, which is God, something's going to happen. And there's nobody going to tell you any different. Know what you're doing. Yes, sir. You believe God's in his universe? You believe God is in his word? Certainly he's in his word. Now, God in his son, God in his universe, God in his word. You see God in his universe. You see God in his word because he is the word. That's God on print. That's the word put on print, but it's also in the air. And you can receive it. Oh, my. Like that little woman touched the bottom of his garment. She received it. See? No matter what she knew in her heart, if she could touch him, she'd be made whole. And now, notice, God in his son. Oh, John 14, 8, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The Father dwelleth in me. It's not me that doeth the works. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. St. John, uh, the fifth chapter, 19th verse, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. See, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, many people get the Trinity all mixed up when you go to thinking about it. Some make it three different individuals, and some makes it one, and they're both wrong. Notice, it's not three gods, it's three manifestations of the same God. See? It's three attributes. God the Father that was in the wilderness in the form of a pillar of fire. And then that same God expressed himself in his Son, which was the same God in his Son. And now that same God now expresses himself in you and I as the Holy Spirit. The same God all the time. Not three gods, three manifestations of the same God. 
three attributes of a father. That's what he was. He displayed it as a son. That's what he was. And now as the Holy Spirit to in his people. God, condensing, can't be touched because sin. Then God himself was made reflected in a man because man was made in the image of God. And God was made in the image of man in order to suffer so that he could take away sin. And then, and now, he is in us. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more. Yet I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the age. God in us. See? Now, now it looks like this, that anyone could see. Many times people say Jesus was a Jew. Some of them said he's had Gentile, had Jew. He was neither one. He was God. So he was. Now remember, when a baby's born, any life comes from the male sex. The germ of life comes from the hemoglobin, the blood, and the blood is the life is in the blood. The Bible said so. Now, the like the the, the it's springtime, and now all the birds are making nests, and they get a nest full of eggs. Now, no mother bird can go out here and make her nest so pretty and decorate it all up with all kinds of feathers. And she can lay a nest full of eggs and set on them eggs so loyal until she, she can turn them every day exactly right and she can hover over them and, and keep them warm until such a way she won't, she'll starve herself to death. She gets so poor she can't get off the nest to go get her something to eat. She can be so loyal to them babies, to her babies is coming on. But if that female bird hasn't been in contact with a male bird, they'll never hatch. She's got to be in contact with the male. It reminds me of churches today. Sometimes we can build the most prettiest church we got so, and have the best lot of deacons and everything else like that in a big congregation, the mayor of the city and everybody coming to it and bragging about it. But if they haven't been in contact with a new birth with the male Christ, you got a nest full of rock legs. You'll lay there and rot every one of them. What we need to tell you is a good old-fashioned nest cleaning all the way from Presbyterian Baptist all the way down, Pentecost and all. You've got to come in contact with Jesus Christ. Life. He is the one. The hen can lay an egg, but it will not hatch unless she's been with the male bird. And God Almighty, God the Father, overshadowed the Virgin Mary and created in her womb a blood cell which brought forth the Son of God without a sexual desire. And that blood was shed at Calvary. Hallelujah. That is a blood that I trust in the night when there's nothing, no other fountain, no nothing but the blood of Jesus. Therefore, the blood of God saves us. The blood of God brings Jesus Christ in our midst. The blood of God brings the Holy Ghost. Not the blood of a Jew or a Gentile, but God's own creative blood. Jesus, the man, was his son that he created himself. And God tabernacled in that tabernacle. And God's law without penalty is not law. If he said it's against the law to run a red light, no penalty to it, then it isn't law. And God's law has penalty. And the day you eat thereof, that day you die. And when man eat thereof, there's not, God cannot send another person to take the place. It would be unjust again for me to make this brother die for what this brother done to be wrong. God had to come himself. And the only way he could do it was become in his own flesh, which was his own created body that he made himself, that he could suffer death. 
Amen. There's the gospel in the power that's God manifested in the flesh. He manual to take away the sins of the world. And in that blood we trust, not in the Jew or Gentile, but in the blood of God, which was Jesus Christ. That's the reason he said, I am a father of one. My father dwelleth in me. It was a father in him. A woman said, who did he pray to in the garden of Gethsemane on a street meeting one time? I said, I want to ask you something. You testified you had the Holy Ghost. Where's it at? <laughs> what do you pray to? It's on the inside of you, of course. But well, we have the Spirit with measure. He had it without measure. We are sons and daughters of God by measure, like taking a spoonful of water out of the ocean. And he's the whole ocean. But the same chemicals that's in the spoon is in the whole ocean. Just quantity, but the same quality. Therefore, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, God is in us. Yes, notice. God in his universe. God in his word. God in his son. Now, in this day where the social gospel preachers, brethren, try to make him some kind of a, just a prophet or, or some good philosopher or something like that. He was either God or the greatest deceiver the world's ever had. That's right. He was God. Nothing less, nothing more. A woman belonged to a certain cult that doesn't believe in the literal virgin uh, birth of Jesus, doesn't accept it. They just believe it's mind over matter. And she comes to hear me preach quite often. One night she met me going out. She said, Brother Branham, I love to hear you speak. I said, thank you. She said, I only find one fault in you. I said, well, thank the Lord. I hope the Lord just finds that only one. And I said, ah, many faults that I have, and you only find one of them. I said, thank you very much. I said, might I ask what that fault is? She said, yes, you bragged too much on Jesus. I said, I'm sure going in if that's all the fault I had. If I brag on him, I said, said, you brag on him too much. I said, how do you mean I brag on him? She said, well, you make him divine. I said, he was divine. Oh, she said, Mr. Brand, you're wrong there. Said he was a good man. I said, he's more than a good man. Said he was a prophet. I said, he's more than a prophet. He's a God of the prophets. <laughs> and she said, oh, Mr. Branham, said, if I proved to you, you said you were fundamental. And if you have proved to you by your own Bible that he was not divine, will you accept it? I said, if the Bible says so, I believe the Bible. She said, all right, I'll give you your own scripture. Said, St. John, the 11th chapter. The Bible said that when Jesus went down to the grave of Lazarus, the Bible said he wept, and he could not weep and be divine. I said, is that the end of it? I said, is that all you got to say? She said, yes. I said, lady, your argument is thinner than the broth made out of a shad of a chicken that starved to death. I said, well, you know, you know better than that. And she said, what do you mean by that? I said, why, you know, look here, let me show you something. I said, he was a man, but you failed to see he was more than a man. I said he was a man when he was crying. He was a man when he stood there on those stooped shoulders over when the Bible said there was no beauty we should desire him. He was a man standing there like that, weeping. But when he pulled that little shoulder up, looked up towards heaven, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man had been dead four days, stood on his feet and lived again. That was more than a man. A man cannot do that. That was God in his son. You believe that? Yes, sir, he is that dead man while well, he was mortified. In other words, he was rotten. He said he stinketh. His soul was four days' journey somewhere. We'll not argue about that. Wherever it was, but whatever it was, corruption to its master. Hallelujah. And the soul to its creator and its lover. And a soul that was gone from a rotten body four days, stood on their feet and lived again. Tell me a man can do that. That was God in his son doing that. 
I will admit that he was a man hungry. When he come down from Jerusalem that night, looking around over a tree, trying to find something, he was a man. That's right. But when he took five biscuits and two fish and fed five thousand, taking up twelve baskets, that was more than a man. That was God the Creator sitting there who could turn water into wine. He could take biscuits and multiply food and fish. God was in his son. Absolutely. Yes, he was a man. When he's laying on that little old boat that night and it's flopping up and down, so tired from seeing visions and virtue going out and preaching the gospel, healing his sick and being criticized by everybody, he went back in the back of the ship and laid down. That was a man laying back there asleep. At that time, 10,000 devils of the sea swore they drowned him that night. There he was so tired he couldn't move. Even the waves couldn't even wake him up. The little boat like a bottle stopper on an angry sea still didn't wake him up. He was a man. He was sleeping. He was tired. He was worn out. But when once aroused, walked out and looked up on his disciples, that old ye of little faith, put his foot up on the braille of the boat, looked up and said, Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed him. That was more than a man speaking from there. That was God speaking out of his son. Yes, sir. God was in his son. I believe he was divine. It's true. He died at the cross crying for mercy. He died calling for a drink of water. He died calling for mercy. He was a man when he died, but on that third day, when that prophecy was fulfilled, I'll not leave his soul to hell. He knew I suffered my holy one to see corruption. All devils in hell, he come forth with the keys of death. Hell in the grave, he rose with the Senate on high and give gifts unto man. That was more ever man that's ever mounted to a hill of beans. Believe that, too. Poets and authors and, and poor prophets to the age. We could interview some of them. What if I could call Eddie Pruitt here tonight off the scene? He couldn't sell his songs. Nobody would buy them. One day the Holy Spirit struck him and he grabbed his pen and he wrote, All hail the power of Jesus. Name, let angels prostrate, fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Yes, sir, he, Lord of all. He believed that God was in him. Oh, and I hear another say, When I survey the wondrous cross where on the Prince of Glory died, I count all my fame to be but lost. Another wrote, Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, free me forever, someday he's coming, oh glorious day. Like a crawl, Fanny Crosby tonight, say, what do you think about him? Was he a prophet or what he was? She'd say this, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while others are calling, do not pass me by. Thou the stream of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee, or whom in heaven but thee? Praise God. God was in his son, reconciling the world to himself. God in his universe. God in his word. God in his son. Yes, sir, now, God in his people. You believe God was in his universe? God was in his word? God was in his son? Now, what about God in his people? <laughs> oh, a little while in the world sees him no more, says Jesus. Yet ye shall see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end, to the consummation. I'll be in you, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, sir. What kind of a people should we be? It reminds me of a story. Here not long ago, down in the south, they used to buy slaves, colored people. The Boers brought them over and sold them, the Dutch. And they were sold in America here for slaves. It's wrong. Never was intended for man to rule over one another. We have one God. 
The color of a man's skin has nothing to do with his soul. We all come from one blood. A yellow man can give a black one a transfusion of blood himself. A black man can give a white one. We are God of one man made all nations. Yes, sir, God of one man. But they've always, God made man, man made slaves. It never was right. In the beginning, they used to come around and sell them like a used car lot. They had these old-fashioned homes and plantations, and they'd come there to get these slaves. Buyers that come by, brokers, they pick them up. One day a broker come by a certain plantation, he said, well, how many slaves you got? He said, about 300. He said, well, I'll take a look at them. <clears throat> he went out, and they were sad. There's a way from their home. They never, they never know how to, to they, know, they never go back home again. They never see daddy, they never see mother. The mothers never see the children. It was a sad thing. And they'd whip them with whips to make them work, try to drive them to make them work. But they noticed one young fellow on there, they didn't have to whip him. Head was up, his chin up, walked around all the time, just right at the dock. And that broker said, I want to buy that slave. The owner said, but he's not for sale. He said, what's the difference of that man? He said, is he the boss over them all? He said, no, he's a slave. He said, maybe you feed him different than you do the other. He said, no, he eats in a galley like the rest of the slaves. He said, what makes him so much different than the other slaves? He said, I wonder too, till I found out, over in the homeland in Africa, where they come from, his father is a king of the tribe. And though he's an alien, yet he knows he's a king's son. <laughs> That's his character. He wanted to act like his father. Oh, what a disgrace it is today that men and women who claim to be sons and daughters of God with the nature of God in them, ministers in the pulpit, claiming to be sons of God and denying that there is a divine healing, denying there's an operation of the Holy Spirit. What a shame it is for our sisters who claim to be saints of God, cutting off their hair and cutting their clothes off and, and acting the way they do. How a shame it is for our churches to permit man that's married two or three times to be deacons on the board. And things. What a disgrace it is. We are to realize that though we aliens in this world, we are sons and daughters of the King of Heaven, and we are character within us should be like Jesus Christ, and Him we might reflect His by His being. God is in His people. Yes, I believe that with all my heart. John fourteen twelve said, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. The same manifestations. Look what we've been finding doing this week. How He manifests Himself to be Messiah, a gift that was in Him. He could discern your heart, discern your thoughts. Tell him what it was. A little woman pressed to the crowd one time, touched the hem of his garment. She said, if I must have touched him, she went off in the crowd, stood up, sat down or whatever it was, and everybody with their arms around him, hello, rabbi, young prophet, how you doing? And some of them saying, hey, I hear you can raise the dead. We've got a graveyard full of them. Critics, they, you just find them everywhere. And there he was pressing on through. And after a while, he stopped and said, who touched me? When Peter might have said these words, Lord, they'll think there's something mentally wrong. And look at the arms and hands just touching you from everywhere and then say, who touched me? He rebuked him for it. Jesus said, but I felt a different kind of touch. A real touch. So many of us tonight have confessions. So many of us do different things, but yet there's a touch. There's something that calls attention to God. And God reflects Himself in His child. The work that He does, we are supposed to do the same. There the little woman sat down. Jesus looked around until he found her, and he told her about her blood issue and said her faith had saved her. Oh, we see him when the little woman at the well come to get a bucket of water, and she was thirsty, and she started to let down the, the bucket into the well when she heard a young Jew say, bring me a drink. 
looked over there and said, it's not customary. We have segregation here. You shouldn't ask me, a woman said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And they went ahead with the conversation until they found what her trouble was. He said, go get your husband and come here. She said, I have no husband. He said, you've told the truth. You've got five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. You've told the truth. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And we know that when the Messiah cometh, this is the very thing that he'll do. He said, I'm he that speaks to you. Oh, my. What was he doing rejecting God? What is the church supposed to do? Reflect the same thing that he did. Oh, reflecting God in his people. I remember in the Bible when an old prophet, so filled with the Holy Spirit, to a Shunammite woman, had a baby, and it died. And the prophet didn't, couldn't hear from God nowhere, but he walked up and down the floor, to and fro, until the Spirit of God come on him. He stretched himself up over that little dead baby in his knees seven times and come to life. What was it? That prophet? No, sir. God in his people. That's right. It was God in his people. Certainly. That's exactly right. We find a man by the name of St. Peter. Didn't have enough education, no seminary experience, had no fellowship card from any organization. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit, God, in his people. They seen him prophesy and see it come to pass. They watched his great life. They heard his influence. A man, he spoke like Jesus Christ. The Bible said that they perceived they were ignorant and unlearned man, but they know they'd been with Jesus. See, see, it reflects himself in you. And they find out that people believed it so great, so much God come upon those people till they even laid in the shadow of that ignorant fisherman. And his men just laid there with faith, believing God healed. Not the shadow of that fisherman, but God in his people. God operating through his people. Certainly, they seen Paul stand up there and make prophecies and every one of them happen just exactly foretell things and do everything that the... Jesus Christ did when he was here on earth. They seen that he was with Christ. You know, Christ was with him. So even they required him to take handkerchiefs and aprons from his body and they laid it upon the sick and afflicted and evil spirits went out of the people. Diseases was healed. What is it? God in his people. Oh, what we need tonight. Look at last night. I was listening to tape. A little woman come down from, I believe, Oregon or somewhere. She was a poor woman. She had spent her money to come here. She had an unsaved husband and children. She was sick and afflicted. Come to the platform. Somebody out there thought something different. I was guessing if what is told wrong with her. Then the Holy Spirit moved back and told her who she was, what her name was, and her mother named her. Told her when she was a little baby and what her name was given. Told her what her marriage name was now. Told her where she'd been, what she'd done, where she'd come from, what she was doing, what disease she had. And said she had a sinner husband and, and a sinner ch uh, children and she was suffering with some sort of disease. I don't know now. I was just listen to tape. And then the Holy Spirit come around with, Thus saith the Lord, I give you your husband. I give you your children. I heal you. And today she's well. Her husband was the first one to hold her life out and her children are saved. What is it? Even those past tense, past tense, future tense. What is it? God in his people. Amen. That's right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He promised these things in the last days. Here I am, done 10 minutes to 10. I'm sorry. I just get talking. i got 30 more scriptures laying here. Oh, oh I'll, I'll save them for tomorrow night. God in his people. You believe God's in his universe? You believe God's in his word? God's in his son? God in his people. Aren't you happy to know that God is in the universe? God is in his son. God is in his people. God is still God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tell you. 
Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we believe you to be God. We know that you're near. We see you back counter before the world ever began. We see you stretch forth your hands and made the world. The world is framed together by the Word of God. The very dirt that was set on tonight is the Word of God made manifest. If not, where did it come from? You spoke and it was so. You're still God tonight. Oh God, let us let us see the vision of it. Let us catch the real meaning of your precious word. Grandfather, bless us tonight. I pray that you'll grant tonight that you'll show that you're in your people. Now they can see you in the universe. They can see you at different places, Lord. Now let's let's see you appear, our Heavenly Father. If it so graces us, I pray that you will see, Lord, that we do not mean it, that we have to see these things, but that your word might be fulfilled. You didn't need to heal the people to prove you was the Son of God. You did it because you said it was that the word might be fulfilled. And tonight you're not doing these things just because you think you ought to do them. You're doing them because you have promised to do them. You are are obligated to the word, Lord, and you certainly always make it true. Here's handkerchiefs laying here, Lord, as sick people. Way out across the country, there's little sick children, mothers. You've watched these handkerchiefs. I lay my hands upon them, Father. I know I'm not the same Paul, but you're still Jesus. It was said one time in the Bible, that a group of people called the Israelites were obeying your commandment. They were going right in the road of duty. And were standing in the line of duty, the Red Sea got in their way. It cut them off. Pharaoh's army was approaching. The mountains and deserts was on either side. It's seemingly that God left himself no place for retreat. But there was something in the way you promised them that you'd take them to a new land. The Red Sea got in the way. One writer said, that God looked down through that pillar of fire with angry eyes. said, when he did, the Red Sea got scared. And it moved back, and Israel kept on the journey. Oh, God of heaven, you're still Jehovah. Not only looking through the pillar of fire, but look down through the blood of your own son tonight. And sickness has stood in the way of these sick people here that these handkerchiefs represent. Great Jehovah God, when these handkerchiefs are laid upon the sick, May that devil get scared. Move back. God, take him to that promise. I'm the Lord who heals all your diseases. Granted, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask him. And now, Lord, bless the waiting ones in the audience. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I believe we're just a little late. We've been calling prayer cards each night up to the altar. I believe we'll just call the ones that hasn't got prayer cards tonight, so you'll see that the prayer card has nothing to do with it. How many in your sick and doesn't have a prayer card? Raise up your hand. All right. There's not a person here that I see that I know. I can't call one person on these little singers sitting here in the front. If I said God is in his universe, God is in his people, you believe God is in his people? Now, each one of you, you look this way. As Peter and John said, passed through the gate called Beautiful, said, look on us. That means to pay attention. Listen to what I'm going to say. He said, silver and gold have a none, but such as I have, as faith. 
such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up. Reach and got a hold of man, begin to hold him up till his ankle bones got strong. And then he walked away, rejoicing. As you already know, I'm not educated. I'm not, I could have just called myself a preacher. I'm kind of a spare car. But God gave me a gift. As a gift to manifest Jesus Christ. To make the people to see that he still lives. Now, if he's not dead, if he's dead, then our, our religion is in vain. But I've seen hundreds of religions as a missionary around the world. Facing all kinds of devils, witch doctors and everything. But our religion is true. Our God lives. He's not dead. He's alive. And he promised the works that I do shall you also. Now, tell you that any man that has confessed his sins and under the blood of Jesus Christ, he is a son of God if he's born to the Spirit of God. They are sons and daughters of God. Now, what if Jesus is standing here tonight wearing this suit that he gave me through my good friend Carl Williams? What if, if he was standing here and we'll have this suit on him and he'd walk to him and say, Lord Jesus, will you heal me? Well, he couldn't do it. He's already done it. By his stripes we were healed. You'd say, forgive me? He did that at Calvary. The work was finished. Oh, the whole plan of salvation, healing and all, was finished. The Bible says that he ascended on high, sits at the right hand of God. Do you believe that? He's there to make intercession, and he is our high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. Do you believe that? Our only intercessor between God and man is Jesus Christ. That's according to the Bible. You might have others try, but there's only one that God hears, and that's Jesus Christ. That's right. Notice, as he sits there, a high priest, the same yesterday and forever. Now, if he was walking here tonight, and you had faith to believe that he could heal you just like that little woman, that believed that God was in his son. Now, you believe God is in his word. You believe God is in his people. Jesus raised from the dead went back to the Holy Spirit and returned back again living in his people to do the same works that he did. And the hour has approached for this to be fulfilled. Because the ending of the Gentile dispensation is at hand. He did it at the end of the Jewish, the end of the Samaritan, and now at the end of the Gentile. Just as he did then. Promised to do it according to the Scripture. Now, each one of you out there that's sick and needy, and the Heavenly Father knows, I tell the truth, if there's any person I can see in this building that I know right at this time, looking this way, is these little boys sitting right here, the little girl that's saying. There's only one that I see that I know. How many of you out there knows that I don't know nothing about you? You're strangers. Raise up your hand. See? Everybody. I don't care where you're at, in the back, wherever it is. Now, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's a high priest, and we become a receiving post to him. The works that he did, we're to do also. I know you can hear a psychological sermon. We can talk about what he was. and why, That's all right, but will it work? We can say it's the same, but will it work? It's like somebody trying to sell something. It looks good, but let's see it work. Now, our religion must become an action. Christian religion is an action. It's Jesus Christ himself in action that can, just like this here microphone, that microphone is a complete mute until something speaks into it. And then it transmits 
the voice of what speaks in it. But in itself, it's a mute. And so is any man or woman. You're a mute when it comes to these things. But if you're in contact and Christ has pulled you around to use it, you are not, it's not your voice, it's his. That's the reason I take anybody to record of the tens of thousands, times thousands of times, did you ever see it wrong? It never will be, because it's God. Now, you've got to believe it. You've got to accept it. You must have faith and don't doubt it. Now, to you out there in the audience, I want you to bow your heads for a few minutes, and I want you to pray like that little woman did. Lord, I'm sick, or I've got a sick friend, or I'm in desperate need, I have domestic trouble, or most anything that you have need of. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that man don't know me. He's a total stranger to me. But you know me. And I want you, Heavenly Father, to help me. I want you to, to heal me. And I'm going to touch your garment. I'm so far away from him. It would do no good to touch him anyhow. He's just a man. But I'm going to touch you. And he's told that we're living in the last days, and the last sign has struck the church, according to the Scriptures. As you come to Abraham, the elect that was called out of Sodom. Now, Father God, let it be tonight. Just let it be, Father, that when let the man tell me, speak to me like he did the woman that uh, touched his garment, and I'll believe you with all my heart. I let the music get real quiet if you want to. I pray. Now, everybody that's sick, don't no one move. And don't, don't uh, someone has took a picture. Don't, don't take them more. See, the Holy Spirit's alive. I watch it. Now, you see where I stand? There's a, a sponsoring group of ministers behind me. There's around a thousand people sitting in front of me. When I've seen a time when a half a million sitting there, I do not know one person. And you, tonight, with no prayer cards, I want you to just pray and say, Lord Jesus, let this be taken away from all superstition from me. He said God was in his people. He said that God had sent him to declare Jesus Christ in the last days to the church. I'm sick. And if I can just touch your garment tonight, they, they tell me the Bible speaks and says you're a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And the Bible said you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then you'd act today like you did yesterday. And that woman touched you and sat down in the audience. And you turned around and told her what her trouble was and said her faith had made her well. I pray sincerely, and may the Lord God grant the request is my prayer. I just be real reverent. Pray just a moment. If you're a sinner, say, forgive me, Lord. If you're sick and a sinner, say, forgive me, Lord. If you're a Christian, you have a right to the tree of life. Now, if you feel like it, you've prayed and you have something that's now, you just keep your mind on Christ. You can raise your head if you wish to. And just keep your mind on Christ and watch this way. Look this way towards me. And now, just believe with all your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, 
the best that I know how. I've prayed the prayer of faith. And I have no prayer card. I'll not be called in the prayer line. Well, if he calls the prayer line at all, I'll not be there. I have no prayer card. But I, I have faith, God. Help me. Now, you do that. And then if Jesus Christ will come down and anoint us, your faith to believe it, my eyes to see it, and my lips to speak it, and if he does the same thing he did yesterday when he was here on earth and promised to do it again, then God is in his people. Then you say, show us the Father, and it'll satisfy us. Just pray. Now, it's not my faith, it's yours. I'm just waiting for him to speak to me. If he doesn't speak, then I'll call the prayer line. That's all I can do. I, I, I'm helpless without him. But I'm sure he's here. Exactly. If I could just see somebody that has faith. Don't, don't be nervous. You never get anything being nervous by it. Just reverently before God. Just present your needs. What a moment. What a moment. See, God, the Word is the truth. And the Word's going to be found. Either I'm a false witness of the Word, or if I've told the truth, God will vindicate that Word's the truth. That's right. God will have nothing to do with the lie. You know that. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take every spirit in here under my control. For the glory of God. Believe now. Reverently and believe. That angel that you see in the picture is here at the platform. It goes into the audience. Just a moment. Left. Here it is. Can you see that? It's a little lady sitting right out here on next to the end of the row. See that light amber right by the side of the lady? She's soon to be a mother. Isn't that right? You have a prayer card? You don't. You don't need one. But you were believing. You believe me to be his prophet, his servant? If the Lord Jesus Christ will reveal to me the things that's in your heart and what you're here for, will you accept it? You're nervous, of course, fixing to be a mother, but your trouble is in your back. You're having trouble in your back. And that's really what you was asking God to heal you of. Isn't that right? If that's right, raise up your hand. Now, if those things are true, what has been said is the truth, I want you to stand up so that people know it is the truth. Are we total strangers to one another? If that's right, raise up your hand. Is what he said is the truth? If that's right, wave your hand like this. Now, there is a woman that touched his garment. She couldn't touch me. She's 30 or 40 feet from me. But she touched his garment and asked her. She's been praying that God would heal her back and give her deliverance of that baby. That's right. Is that right? And did it before you come here to the church tonight and pray that some way you'd be admitted to the prayer line. If that's right, if that's your prayer, raise your hand. How can I stand here and tell her what she said before she left home? You believe God can tell me what your name is? Miss Siskel? Believe with all that's right. That's right, raise up your hand. I go home, you're well. 
God bless you and the child and your husband sitting there. Before God, I've never seen the woman in my life before. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Here, a little Spanish-looking woman sitting there. She was all thrilled about it. She realizes something's going on. She's crying because that light's right over her. I don't know her. I've never seen her. But she had something on her heart she's praying about. It's about her mother. That's right. Have you a prayer card? You don't need one. You don't have any. You don't need one. Your mother. She's very sick. She's not here. She's in Bakersfield. You're a minister's wife. That's your husband sitting by you. He's got a brother. He calls him Joe. That is right. Now, if that's the truth, raise up your hand. I've never seen the people in my life. If that's true, you two stand on your feet. If that's true, and I'm a perfect stranger to you, raise your feet. You have your request. Go home. Jesus Christ hears you. Praise be to God. That woman sitting right behind with that pink-looking blouse on. Have you got a prayer card, lady? I'm a stranger to you. I don't know you. Is that right? But there's a black, dark-looking circle circling the lady. What does it mean? May the Lord God tell me. Yes, I see her fall. She's having some kind of a spell. She has epilepsy. That's right. If that's right, raise up your hand. Do you believe Jesus Christ can heal you? Then accept your healing. May you never have another in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe with all your heart? Have faith in God. Do you believe? Notice. Here it is again. Notice. It's over a little woman, a little thin-looking woman, sitting right down here. She's suffering with an anemia condition. She's going to miss it. Lord God, help me. Please, I pray for her. Don't let it pass her. Her name is Mrs. Marsh. Stand up, Mrs. Marsh. Be made well in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan thought he'd get by with that, but he missed it. I don't know the woman. I've never seen her in my life. God in heaven knows her. What is it? God in his universe. God in his word. God in his son. God in his people. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe it? With all your heart? How many believe it? Raise your hands. How many needs God in your life? Raise your hands and wave your hands. Now take them waving hands and lay them over from here, you pray for somebody. Put your hands on one another and you'll see the glory of God. I don't care how crippled you are. If there's anybody here in a wheelchair, anybody on crutches, anybody that can't walk, get ready. You're going to walk. You're going to walk out if you believe it. Put your hands on one another and pray for one another. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is here. God in His people. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe sick, they shall recover. Heavenly Father, I come to ask pardoning grace and prayer for these people while we know that your presence is here. I ask that ever devil power be broken in the audience and that Jesus Christ will take over the meeting at this time and will heal every sick person that's in divine presence. 
through Jesus Christ's name, I ask you. I believe you. I don't care what's wrong with you, what has been wrong, I'm going to pronounce you healed. If you believe it with all your heart, let your crutches lay where they are, where you're, whatever is wrong, stand up on your feet and witness to God that you accept your healing at this time. Stand to your feet and believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ, there you are, that's it. The whole group saying, 100%, Jesus Christ has healed every person in divine presence that has believed. Now, if you don't know him as your Savior, come up here now and receive him while his presence is here. Will you walk up here now and receive him? You raise up your hands to God and give thanks and praise while I ask for the pastor. If you take your service to you, God bless you, God bless you.